Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. David was young. Daniel was young. Esther was young and pretty. You know, I mean, God used young people. It's not a new thing. It's not like you got to some, I think some young people think, you know, when I get old like you, Dad, then I'm going really, to really get serious about my walk with the Lord. But you don't have to, God will use you right now. You can take some steps of faith right where you're at and God will do some things. And then that's young, that's middle-aged, that's old people. There isn't really any age. You know, my old people, I loved Caleb, you know. Caleb was 80 years old saying, I'm still going to get me some. And he went and got him some. God uses all people to fulfill his divine purposes. That's the point that Pastor Bill really wants to drive home in today's message. You can come from any walk of life, from any age range, and God will still be willing to use you for the betterment of his kingdom. But there's a catch here. If you want God to work through your life, you must be willing to listen to what God is asking you to do. He won't force you to do kingdom work because work for his kingdom should come from the heart. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter seven for today's edition of The Transforming Word. When the entire army of Israel is out in front of Goliath and the Philistine army and their giant Goliath is stomping back and forth saying, you know, who wants to fight? You know, come out. I, I want one of you guys to go head up with me and whatever. If we win, he just wants, he wants one person to fight with and nobody would step up. Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody in Israel. He wouldn't step up. And the unlikely candidate, you know, David, all David's older brothers, the ones that were in the army were down there. They wasn't stepping up. And little David goes, he's on a mission. He just, all his dad only thought enough about him to take lunch to his brothers. Hey, go down there and see how the war is going to get your brother some lunch, man. And bring me back word. And David gets down there, little little David. And again, I, you read the scriptures, it's the idea of David is that he was cute. He was young. He wasn't, I don't get the image of some muscle bound. I get a, the little cute kid, still got the curly hair and, you know, he ain't hit puberty yet. You know, I don't know how old he was. But he was a young dude. And he goes down there and he sees this Philistine stomping and breathing and talking crazy. He says, who is this uncircumcised? Why y'all letting them talk like that? And David's appalled that, that they're letting him talk like that. They ain't doing nothing about it. And David says, I'll fight him. And you know what his brother said right away? And I want y'all to listen to this. Because anybody trying to do something for the Lord, you're going to be discouraged by somebody. Satan's going to have somebody put the words in their mouth, asking you dumb questions. You know, they, his brother said, you know, his brother, Dave, you just came, you're just full of pride. You just came down here to see some stuff. Go home. Go on back home to the sheep, you know. When he got before Saul, Saul said, David, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But Saul said, I mean, this guy's been a warrior your lifetime. You, you, you cute. You cute little guy, man. But you, you know, you sure you want to do this? He said, I mean, you, this guy's been a warrior your entire lifetime. And David's like, look. David spoke up for himself. David said, look, when I was watching my father's sheep, a lion came out and the Lord delivered that lion into my bed. I, I killed a lion with my bare hands and a bear came out. Now, I would say this, right? That would do a lot for my faith. If I killed a lion, because I've seen you seen a big, a full size lion. That ain't, that's I, never mind a pit bull or a dog, a lion. I killed a lion with my bare hands or a bear. If you're having that kind of success by the power of God, it's like he said, this uncircumcised Philistine to be just like one of them. I bring that story up for a couple of reasons, because for those that are going to step out in faith, they're going to be people that are going to be naysayers. They're going to be people that say, what do you think? I can't think of one step of faith I've taken where Satan didn't send me. Somebody said, you think it's going to work? 
that's gonna have to work. You know, I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just gonna move forward. I've had people say, like, you know, I, I don't know, man, but just you could consider this. You know, if I was you, I think, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not even listening to my thoughts. I don't want to hear your thoughts. I'm quick to tell people that I encourage you to do the same. When I'm trying to walk by faith, I tell myself, I tell my wife, I tell my friends, I really don't, I don't want to hear nobody's thoughts. I'm telling my own thoughts to shut up. I'm just trying to just, what is the words? I got a word. I got a verse. I got a word. I'm going to do that. I don't want to hear my own thoughts. I don't want yours either. So if I tell myself to be quiet, I don't have a problem telling someone else. Put a hush on that, you know, <laughs> hold the words to yourself. Hold your peace, you know. So if you're trying to do something or seeking to do something for the Lord, there'll be it'll come from somewhere. You know, Satan wouldn't be Satan if he didn't try to discourage or, or beat it back. You got to just got it. I got a word. It's so important that you have a word. Gideon did have a word. God had spoken. He had it. And he needed to just walk in what God had spoken. That's how we need to live our lives. This looks crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. But I got a word. You spoke. I'm going solely based on what you said. Uh, nothing else. I can't add it up in a checkbook. I can't, you know, can't put it together. I can't look at myself in the mirror and figure out how it's going to work. I just don't even know how it's going to go, but we're going. And I'll say this for those that have done that and those that are doing that, it's always afterwards that you look back at what God did and you're like, wow, man. Now you're better prepared for the next step of faith. But as you look back, you can only see what God does in the rear view. You never can see it in the front window. In the front window, you got to go in faith. It's when you go in faith that you eventually walk down the road of faith long enough that you look back and say, wow, God is amazing. God is so faithful. He keeps his word. God's never let me down. God, why do I ever doubt you? I need to trust you with everything in my life. And so anybody that's taking some steps and take them steps, take them steps, take every step of faith. Wouldn't it be better to fail stepping out to do something great for God? than to succeed at doing nothing, it would be better. I would rather fall flat on my face trying to do something for the Lord than to succeed sitting at home doing nothing. No, no, I didn't mess up, though. <laughs> you know, like, there, there's no victory in that, you know? There's no win in that. And I even know brothers that have stepped out trying to do something for God, and it failed. There's a pastor in Colorado. His name is Ed Taylor. And when I was in Bible college, he felt called to go plant a church, and he went out to try to plant the church, and he went out. And it, just, it didn't work out. It completely went bust. And I remember he had to pack up and come back home, back to California. And he came back. It was very defeating. It was discouraged. But he came back. It just, it, I don't know. It didn't work out. But I know God called me. And he came back home. And they put him back on staff at the church I was at. And he was there. He was doing a home Bible study and some other things. He was like, man, I know I'm called to go do this. And he got up enough faith to go again. He went again. Boom. Went out. Went out to Colorado. Got out there. And he just said, you know what? I just, I'm just going on the word of God. I mean, I got a failure in my back pocket or an apparent failure, it was really a lesson. And he went full of faith, went back out with his wife, moved out to Colorado. I mean, moved his whole family out to Colorado, got out there, started it was a home study that met at a cafe. Then there was a pastor there that asked him, hey, you want to move it over to my church? And he moved it over to the church. And he didn't know that that pastor was praying about leaving, but didn't want to leave the sheep in bad hands and didn't have anybody that he felt comfortable with. And as this guy was there teaching on the location, he was this pastor was observing saying, this is the God. And then he started merging the groups together and then backing off. And the pastor finally said, do you know what the Lord's doing here? And he's like, I've been praying about leaving, but I, I was so concerned that I just didn't want to leave God's people in bad hands. And I've been praying. And then you came and he says, this is what God had. This is I'm, I'm handing this over to you. You pick it up from here. And he took what was maybe 100 something people at the time 
That church is a church of over 3,000 people now. It's on the radio, all kind of stuff. But I, I remember when I was there with him when he came back and he went back out. So I'll go watch his video of him preaching from time to time. And I just smile. I look, I'm like, look at God. He just went back out in faith. I mean, he went back out the second time saying, I just know I'm called to go do this. I'm going to go do it. And now I'm looking at what God is doing through his life and all the people that are being ministered to and all this. And I'm like, man, God is so faithful to those that will trust in him. And again, I just I beg you, I beg you, try him, trust him, do something. There isn't really an age on, you know, being used by the Lord. Almost you look through scripture and God almost sometimes I wonder if he did it to make a point. God picks young people. Um, David was young. Daniel was young. Esther was young and pretty. You know, I mean, God used young people. It's not a new thing. It's not like you got some. I think some young people think, you know, when I get old like you, dad, then I'm a really I'm a really get serious about my walk with the Lord. But you don't have to. God will use you right now. You could take some steps of faith right where you're at and God will do some things. Then that's young. That's middle age. That's old people. There isn't really any age. You know, my old people. I loved Caleb, you know. Caleb was 80 years old saying, I'm still going to get me some. And he went and got him some, some mountain, some hills and some land for the Lord. And so at whatever phase or stage y'all stop, wherever y'all are at in your life, in your walk, there's 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 this more. You're still living, you're breathing, you're believing. There's still more God can do. And so we want to avail ourselves. Sometimes it's simple as just praying, God, I want to do something for you. Would you show me something? You know, it has to be something stupendous or just show me something I can do for you, Lord. And I promise you that whatever God shows you will be beyond what you could do without him. And it'll require a cooperative effort that you got to seek him, lean on him, cry out to him, believe in him. But as you do it, you'll look in your rear view one day and you'll know how wonderful it was to walk with and serve with the Lord. There's nothing like doing something and realizing that, man, when I stepped out to do that, God came and, and did it with me. It wasn't just me. I mean, I stepped out so far, but I got to a certain point and I know the Lord met me there. And I've been working with the Lord and doing something for the Lord. And the Lord's doing something through me. He wants to do something through all of us. Everybody is believing in him. God's like, I'll use you. There's no throwaway vessels for the Lord. God will take every one of us that are surrendered to him and do something great with our lives. And so moving on, look at verse eight. It says, so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retain those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So here's an interesting setup. Gideon's got his 300 guys and where they set up camp, they're able to, from their camp, they're able to see the other army. So I want you to think about how discouraging that might be from day to day. Look at your mountain, right? I mean, he's there and where his little bitty 300 folks are at, they're able to see the 135,000 folks. That, you know, I don't know if that was the best setup, you know, for the guys, but it's where they ended up at. It says the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So from where they were, they could look down into the valley and they could see all these 135,000. Maybe God has you in a place where you're seeing your thing. every. You're seeing it every day. You're seeing the, the thing that you're needing to believe God. You're, you're looking at it every single day and discouraged by it, you know, or maybe discouraged by it. Maybe you're just looking at it, you know. He is faithful. All right. Look at verse nine. It says it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. Now, I want you to note what God's doing here. God says, Gideon, it's time. I want you to get ready to go down to the camp. But it's a but if you're scared, then I want you to take your servant with you and I want you to go down. 
And this is what I believe God's doing, because God's going to have him go down and overhear the Midianites talking. And it's going to encourage Gideon's hearts. But I want you to note that I don't think that it was okay for him to go if he was scared. God said, look, I want you to go. But if you're scared, then first go down with your partner. And I want you to go down and listen. So it said, verse 11, and you will hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore multitude. Verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and it struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel into the hand of God, into his hand. God has delivered Midian with his whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Now, I want you to note something really important. In verse 9, God said, Arise, go down against the camp. I have delivered it into your hand. Now, Gideon could have went at the word of the Lord. God knowing that he was still scared. I'm not putting Gideon down for being scared. Because if you put me out there at a 400 to 1 ratio, I'm going to be scared too. So, you know, that's just, that's just I, I, I got nothing really bad to say about the brother, you know, or the army that was with him. That, that, those are rough numbers, you know. But God said, look, if you're scared, I got something for you. I want you to go down. So he went, he said, I want you to take your partner with you, take your little friend with you. You got help. And you go down and just go down and listen to the conversation. And as he gets down there, just so, it doesn't just so happen, God's working all over the place. And so these guys, some one of them guys had a dream. God must have gave him the dream. And he got up and then the other guy had an interpretation. He said, oh, man, this is, this is nothing else but Gideon and the sword of the Lord coming against us. And, and that's what's going to happen. And when Gideon heard that, he said, all right. Now, for Gideon, that's what it took. Right. He needed that confirmation. And I don't believe that's necessarily a bad thing. I've had in my life times where I know God said something, but I start to waver get afraid, and God will be faithful. You seek him. God will be faithful to confirm his word. Uh, God will be faithful to speak to you once again about what it is that, that he said. Um, I, this is one thing I've learned with regard to God calling us to do things or speaking to us. I found this in my life, that God will continue to speak the same things because God doesn't change his mind. God, God does not change his mind about what he's called us to do you know, what he wants done in our lives. God will continue to speak the same things. And so in my life, there have been times where I definitely, you know, I was believing God said something. I'm like, God, I believe you said that, but just want to make sure because it's kind of a big deal and I don't want to make a wrong move. And I'll find through the reading of the word, through going through scripture, God will say something. God will speak something that just confirmed his word. And there's a point at which God's like, now you've heard enough. Now you need to just go. Now it's a matter. Don't ask for another confirmation. You just need to obey. I say that because some of y'all be asked for 20 confirmations and God's like, you, you just disobedient now. You know, you you didn't heard enough already. So there is a point. You know, I believe God knows each one of us. He knows what we're made of. He knows our frailty. And God knows God knew Gideon. You needed to hear that dream that was going to encourage your heart. And so God let the brother have a dream. 
I just, that's because God is good and God knows what we need. God's not mean. And so, yes, he wants me to trust him and believe him. And I believe that God will help our faith along. I think sometimes I'll look at somebody when they first get saved and, you know, somebody you see a new believer and it's like all their prayers are getting answered. And, and I'm like, you know, it's not going to always be that way, brother. You know, but it's like, you know, what's God doing? He's, I'm, I want them to, I'm building up their faith. I want them to know that it's worth it to pray. I'm listening. I'm moving on their behalf. Now, there'll come times later where they got to have faith to believe that, you know, I, God said, wait. I don't like this wait business. I, I like that instantaneous type thing. You know, it takes faith to wait on the Lord. And so some of y'all are waiting and it takes faith to wait on God. It doesn't take no faith to run up in front of run out in front of the Lord, but it takes faith to wait on the Lord for what he wants, for his timing for things. God's timing is almost never synced up with our timing. That's at least my experience. My timing is always yesterday or last year. And God's timing is a little while longer, just a little bit more, you know. So for whatever his reasons are, that's the way it tends to go. Look at verse 16. It says, then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Now, I want you to think about being one of those 300 men. You want to get against 300 and he arms you with pitchers and torches. I'm like getting where's my sword, bro. Where's my shield? I know I'm going to need protection. I got a, a trumpet. I got something to make noise with. I got a torch and a pitcher. Everybody's going to have a trumpet. Everybody's going to have a torch with a pitcher on top. I just want you to pause and think about that. If they didn't feel ill-prepared by the numbers, now you say, what do you mean? You're sending me down with a trumpet, a torch, and a pitcher. And I just want you, I think God has a sense of humor. I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that God's got jokes. That that God does something just to, you know, I can't explain this. I don't even know if I were getting it. How do you tell the guy, hey guys, line up here. Everybody, your, your stuff, everybody's ready for their battle assignment. They're ready to, you know, my helmets, my shield, my spears, my whatever you get back then. And they get, here's your, here's your trumpet. You like that one? Or does that suit you well? Does that fit your lips all right? Here's your torch. Here's your, here's your, your pitcher. But God knows what he's doing. Amen? God knows what he's doing, but it don't make sense in the earthly realm. Uh, only, only in faith. It doesn't make sense any other way. And so everybody gets their torches inside their pictures. Verse 17. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord in Gideon. So he says, hey, guys, I'm out here with you guys as we got three. We broke up into three groups, probably, you know, have them from each angle. And he says, when, when you see me step up to the edge, you guys do the same thing. And when I tell you to everybody, blow your trumpets on every side of the whole camp. And I want you to yell out the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Now, I thought it was interesting that he said, yell out the sword of the Lord and Gideon. It's going to need to be the sword of the Lord because they ain't got one. So uh, but he says, I want you to yell out the sword of the Lord and Gideon verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp. And at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. So, again, under the pitchers are torches of fire. It's nighttime. 
It says when they blew the trumpets, they're going to crack these pitchers and there'll be torches flaming, flying. It says in verse 20, then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They had the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand blowing. And they cried the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Now I want to say this about the vessels right down. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. It's, I think it's a play off of this, but it says that. Just like these vessels, these earthen vessels were broken open that the light might shine through. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God said, why do, you, why do we have treasures in these earthen vessels that we are? God says that when, that when I bring it forth out of your life, that the excellence will be of God. It wouldn't be of your own. And it's the very same thing we see happening here. Why did God do it this way? Why do these men just have a torch and a trumpet? And they're going to, you know, break the pitcher and let the fire shine and blow the trumpet and yell the sword of the Lord and Gideon. God says, I did all of this. All right. He told us in the beginning so that when this is done, the glory would all come to me. People would know that I'm I'm with Israel, that I defeated the Midianites on their behalf, that I'm the one that did it. And it won't be for the glory of man. It'll be for the glory of God. We again, I, I just want to say this because we live in a society that is really messed up in this way. And I think our kids many times are messed up in this way, in the same ways where I think we live in a prideful sort of society where we even encourage our kids in that pride. You know, there's a pride in, you know, what we accomplished. Parents can be proud of their kids. My kid did this and my kid accomplished. And I, I know we can be proud of our kids, but I see a lot of even Christian parents raising their kids up to be prideful. We got to teach our kids to glorify God. We got to emulate that for them, that the things that God does in our life that we glorify him for. When Susie or Jimmy does a great job on something, you want to teach them like, hey, you want to, you know, we, we celebrate that. It's a big deal. We're proud of you. We want to glorify God. God bless you. Tell them. Tell them God bless you. Everybody doesn't have that kind of mind. Everybody can't do that. God bless you to be able to do that. Make sure you give him credit for that. Make sure you glorify God for that. It can be in athletics, you know. And we all know that with regard to athletics, some kids try as they may, they ain't got it. You know, so if you got if you got it, then you want to glorify God. God's blessed you. You know, make sure you give him some shine, give him some glory, give him the credit for whatever he's doing when it comes to the work he's doing and spiritual things through your lives. Glorify him in it. Give him the credit. God's I went through all this trouble. I got this army out here, 300 against 135,000 with torches and pitchers and trumpets. I did all that, God said, so when it's all done, the, the glory, would they would know that it was the hand of God. And so many times in our lives, God is saying, I've, I've done many things that the glory would be of me. Make sure that he's getting the glory from your life. The Bible says that we should do our good deeds before men in such a way that what? They would glorify, they would, they would glorify our Father in heaven. That men would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How are they going to do that if you take up all the glory? Right? If men see your good works... And they said, interview, hey, how, how'd you get? Well, you know, I just, I practiced a long time. I'm, I'm in the school for this and everything like that. You know, how God ever get the glory? You got to give it to him. God gets the glory because we give it to him. And when people come and celebrate you, yes, give it to him. Everybody here has something to give God the glory for. Make sure you give it to him. So moving on, it says, verse 20, it says, then the three companies blew the trumpets and they broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand, the trumpets in their right hand for blowing and they cried the sword of the Lord and Gideon, just like Gideon told them to. Verse 21, every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried and fled. And I want you to notice they just stood there. 
So these men are at the top of the thing and they didn't run down. Every man stood there. Once they broke the torch, once they broke the pitcher and the light was shining, they were blowing the trumpets and yelling the sword of the Lord. It said they stood there. Every man stood in their position. The people looked surrounded. And it says that the whole army ran and cried and fled. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and He cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Transforming Word